As we continue our study of the book of Ephesians, I would ask that you would turn to Ephesians 4, uh, verses 25 to 32, as we press through this text. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. And yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer. But rather, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Father, we come now to bow before the Word of God. And Father, we would ask, and I've been praying this week, that you would teach each and every one of us what it means to put off the old man and to put on the new. Father, I pray for each and every person here. I implore, as the Apostle Paul says, that we walk in a manner worthy. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. We are looking at this section that I call this new life. We moved into this out of a section where it was about the old and the new. Because I am a child of God, I am a new creation. It's, it's all the parts are there. It's, it's, I always likened it to an infant. Okay, when a, a child is newborn, all the parts are there. But it has no ability to walk. It can't feed itself. They tend to be cranky at every two hours at night. And so you have all of these things that it's all there. And so as parents, we have these little moments of joy when, uh, oh, it rolled over. And then, then we get a little joy, a little joy, and then it'll stand up by the edge of the table. Oh, it's going to knock its teeth out. Oh, wait, it doesn't have any. Okay, and so, you know, we go through all these things. We want it to walk, and then we realize they never walk. They just run. Okay, and so, you know, that is what a Christian is. Each of us are a child of God. And each of us are learning and we're growing. And there's things we have learned in the past that all of a sudden become real in the now. There's things we have learned we will learn in the future that will help us to overcome the wiles of our enemy. And we will press on to the upward calling of Christ, as Paul said. Not that I have arrived, but I move in that direction. And that's what we're looking at. That's what taking off the old and putting on the new. The problem is the old is so comfortable. 
Okay, it's like that one pair of old sweatpants. You know, they don't really cover anything, but they're comfortable. Okay, I, I guess maybe that's just a man thing. But uh, 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 that's, that's the way we are. We have, we have that old suit that, oh, I had a suit. The first suit I ever got was for my high school graduation. Okay, so I had it when I was 18. Three-piece, pinstripe. Okay, it was a, oh, it was a dandy. And I wore that thing to my grandmother's funeral when I was 28. Okay, a suit that I got when I was 18. And I was just, hey, look at here. I still fit in it. Then 30 showed up. I hung on to it for about seven years thinking, maybe, maybe. And then after about seven years, you said, there's no way. Forget about it. Okay. I mean, when I put the vest on, I'm not going to tell you what it looked like. You're just sitting there going, well, that's got a five-mile-an-hour bumper on it. So anyway, we get comfortable in things. And so Paul here lays it out for us, starts chapter 4 after three chapters of some of the most profound theology that you can get condensed. And then in chapter 4, he says, we are to walk worthy of this calling. Okay. And then he says, you know what? You need to put off the old self. And what you'll find out, put out off the old self, put on the new. And then he begins there in verse 25. Therefore, okay, let me summarize what I'm talking about. He starts getting specific. This book will be specific all the way through the end of the book. Little things you have to look at. This is the new you now. Okay? Understand your theology. Understand your position in Christ. Then you'll always know what the practice is. Okay? It's real simple, actually. Other than the fact that I think I shared it in Sunday school. We have a tendency to know what the practice is. We don't understand the power we possess to do it. That's what I call those grouchy Christians. You ever seen them? They're like this all the time. You know, you get saved, man. Get saved. And you're like, gee whiz. You know, you you pray that whatever they got isn't contagious. Okay. So these are things that that I watch in, in, in my life and I have seen. And he started it off there in verse 25. Don't move from lying to speaking the truth. And I shared with you. Our society, this globe, is based on lies. It's just all over the place. I mean, uh, we have institutions that are based on lies. We have government officials that are based on lies. We have organizations that are based on lies. We have people who, that is their mode of operation, is on lies. And, and, you know, they won't lie. They won't say, well, I'm lying. They'll just leave out things that were crucial. Okay, and that's so what the, everything you see around you is based on this. And that, it's like I already told you, remember Corinthians, Second Corinthians? The whole world lays in the lap of who? And he is the father of what? Okay. So it, it makes sense to me. Uh, I mean, people ask me, he said, do you watch any of the debates or any of the, no, why? They all have the same foundation. 
Okay, they're going to tell me whatever I want to hear. I think everyone should have a Corvette. Okay? And the politics, okay, got it. Cool, I should have went bigger. <laughs> but see, these are things that I don't understand because everything around us is on a lie. You know, even even these days dealing with doctors, I've had to deal with some doctors lately. And it's funny, you ask them questions and you get this. So my, and I told my family doctor this the other day or, yeah, a week or so ago. And he gave me this and I said, you know, that almost sounds like a political answer. And I, he said, well, what do you mean? I said, you didn't say anything. Oh, well, you know, and so I called him on it. I was like, no, man, you, you just took a world trip. And it has nothing to do with that x-ray I just had. And I want to know what that is. Okay, so these are things that we have to watch that is of our nature. It is of our nature. Think about it. If you've had kids, okay, have they ever lied to you? Where did they learn that at? I know, kindergarten. No, it's of their nature, okay? And then it just gets worse from there. Okay, last week we looked at unholy anger, unrighteous anger, to righteous anger. And I shared with you, there's nothing wrong with being angry, okay? What's the motive? What's, what reason are you angry? Okay? Because if you look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there were a handful of times he got angry. Okay? And yet he wasn't ha angry hanging on the cross. Not only was he not angry, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He wasn't angry with them yahoos that he was hanging out with who sometimes had all kinds of faith and sometimes had didn't even have to spell faith. Okay? He wasn't angry with them. He got angry when they defiled his father. That's when he went and turned the tables over in the temple. He got angry when he saw the effect of sin at Lazarus' tomb and the weeping of his sisters. That made him angry. So my challenge last week was, when you get angry, are you angry in defense of God Almighty? Are you angry because of sin? Because those are the only two reasons to be angry. I don't care what they call you. I was going back through some of my... They gave me a book for my 25th anniversary. And I started looking. I didn't realize I was that thin at one time. But anyway, I, was, I just kept going through the book. And there are a lot of people are in that book that left bitter. Okay, that's that's my spiritual gift. Like the Apostle Paul, I uh, stir people up and pester them. But uh, uh, I have been called a Pharisee. I have been called a religious fanatic, but I've also been called an Antichrist. And and so I go back through these things, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, I covered my bases. I mean, got it all." But, but I go back through, and you evaluate yourself. You can sit and say, I know I was right. I evaluate myself, 
and I stop. And I think about the words that have been said against me personally. And um, to, to tell you that they don't hurt. They, I remember talking to a pastor, a friend of mine, had a very large church. And we were discussing this very topic at one time. And uh, he said, now what you got to remember, he says, when you stand on truth and refuse, you refuse to compromise on it, they are going to attack you personally. And he said, but I want you to understand something. He gave me some illustrations in his life. He said, I want you to understand something. Don't ever take it personal. So we sat there for a second. I looked up at him. I said, Wayne, do you take it personal? He says, you bet. <laughs> he says, but I'm supposed to give that counsel to a younger pastor. <laughs> I was like, well, all right, if I find a younger one, I'll give him that counsel. All right. But I never got angry about it. You know, I know that part of that goes along with what I do. All right. And God has carried me successfully to this point. And um, we'll see where he leads on. He also says, don't let, don't go, let the sun go down on your anger. This is confronting sin. If you are in a sinful anger, deal with it before you go to bed. Don't let it stew. It doesn't get better tasting overnight. Okay? If you've got an anger issue and it's ungodly, deal with it. And and if you're honest with yourself and you read your Bibles regularly, you know that in the Bible, when you have sin, it doesn't say, well, put it off until Christmas. It says you deal with it and you deal with it now. Okay? First John, James, all say the same. Which brings me to the third one. From stealing to sharing. I've got a concordance and then a book I call it. It's called the Book of Scripture Knowledge. And it cross-references. Scripture Knowledge cross-references every verse in the Bible that deals with a given phrase and or word. So I focused in on the word stealing. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about stealing. We would be here for about two hours if I covered every verse that dealt with stealing. And I was like, wow, man, that's, that's, that's pretty serious. Okay. In case you did not realize it, stealing is a problem. Okay. But it's like lying. It is who we are. That is our humanity, our nature. The old man steals. Okay? Now be careful, because most of the time when you think about stealing, you're thinking about walking past the candy aisle and grabbing one and sticking it in your pocket. That's stealing. Okay? But you would not believe all of the ways the Bible speaks that it's stealing. Okay? Verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Great verse. The new man does not steal. The old man did. It's pretty simple text, actually, verse. How many of you have ever thought of this? Keep your context. He says, stop stealing. 
Okay? Right? So I said. But then he says, you must work why? What's it say? To give it away. Don't steal. But I want you to work to give it away. How's that work with the American philosophy right now? I work to give it away. Hmm. Interesting concept, isn't it? I work to give instead of stealing. Instead of stealing to get, I work to give. Some of you have been with us a while. We have a number of pastors that we are their support. Okay? But we invest in nationals. Uh, the nationals, I have met with every one of them. Okay? At different places. The two guys from Belarus I met out at the Shepherds Conference. Some of these guys have actually gone into their homes and taught and their churches and taught. I know these people. Okay? And we give them money every month. This is a little congregation. And, you know, it's like $250, $300 a month. And you say, well, what are you really doing? In their country? Moving mountains. Why? An American who goes to work in Punjab cannot live on $250 a month. But an Indian who lives in Punjab, not only can he live on $250 a month, his ministry will actually expand. We work here to give to them there whether it's our pastors in Belarus, whether it's our pastors in Russia, whether it's in Myanmar, whether it's in India, whether it's in Azerbaijan, or whether it's in Georgia, or whether it's in the Ukraine. We work to give to them. Do you understand that? Okay, now, some of you have been here long enough that you've seen Philip, and you've seen Paul, Pastor Paul, okay, I've seen them all. Not only that, I've spent time with them. Okay, I mean intimate time, kind of like Jesus and his disciples. No, I wasn't there for three years, but I had, what, seven, eight trips to Russia. I know these guys. Okay, Gennady and Dmitri, I met them out at the Shepherds Conference, and you'd have thought I was the Apostle Paul. They wanted to meet me. They wanted to see me. They wanted to shake my hand. They wanted to bless me. They wanted to pray over me. I don't know what they said, <laughs> but they did pray over me. <laughs> okay? But we, collectively, we work to give to those guys. And some things around here. There is a lot of stealing in our world. Okay? I read an article in Business Weekly that one-third of the cost of merchandise is to cover the cost stolen. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? You know what the article I went read on the article, you know what it said? Most of the thieves are the employees. We, by nature, are stealing people. You know why I know that? Because I've done some things with people 
that were honest and they freaked out over it. I remember coming out of the credit union one afternoon and I looked down and right there on the curb was a hundred dollar bill. And I normally would have said, thank you, Lord. I knew I needed that, but I didn't. I walked back into the bank and I said, somebody dropped this. And they had to be coming out of here. I mean, it's either that or the Vietnamese restaurant. But and she says, are you kidding me? I said, no. I said, you know, this is. And they didn't know what to do about it. I said, well, I ain't taking it. It came out of here. You figure out somebody's going to miss it. They come back. You seen my hundred? Okay. I was coming out of Safeway just a week ago. I bought like $11 worth of stuff, okay? And I give the guy a 20, all right? He gives me two tens back and change. And I looked at it and I was like, well, I thought I was bad at math. I thought that machine printed it up and said, this is how much you get back. And I said, well, this is too much. And he said, what? I said, this is too much. He didn't know how to respond to it. That tells me that honesty isn't something that we're really aware of. And when all of a sudden it shakes up, stands up and looks at you, you go, oh, what's that? See, we are a stealing people. And honesty freaks people out. They're not sure. But people don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to handle honesty. If you've ever been in the court system, I don't recommend it. But when you meet with your lawyer and your district attorney and all the rest of it, they tell you all the time, you plead not guilty. I have never been in a judicial system innocent. But every time I'm in there, they say, plead not guilty. Well, where I come from, that's lying. And that is dishonest. Okay, but it freaks out a lawyer and says, well, yeah, but I did it. Well, you can't say that. Why? (laughs) I mean, I did it. Because I, I got stopped for a busted windshield in my little truck. I didn't have my seatbelt on. Guy stopped me. And he says, uh, you don't have your seatbelt on. I said, yep. <laughs> I said, but I made it through the roundabout. <laughs> so come on, man. <laughs> Give me a break here. And he says, well, at least you're honest. I said, well, what are we going to do? Try to slide it on? He said, well, they normally do. And I said, I didn't have it on. I was just going up to the office. He said, well, I'll just write you up for a cracked window. I said, all right, thanks. Because I did have a cracked window. Truth of the matter is, I still have a cracked window. But winter's not over. When it's done, I'll get it fixed, maybe. Okay? You look at our judicial system. We have things called shoplifting. I wonder who thought that up. You are lifting up the shop. We have shop. We have petty theft. We have grand theft. You know what, brothers, sisters? It's all stealing. I don't care what cute name you put on it. It's stealing. Taking anything that doesn't belong to you is stealing. Please understand that. And you can put a cute name. Well, it was just a petty theft. Or it was just shoplifting. No, man, it's stealing. It's stealing. 
on the news. I remember reading, <laughs> a friend of mine uh, is a character. He's lost, and he knows he's lost. He doesn't care he's lost. I remember him making a statement to me. He said, stealing is just finding something before it's lost. I'll let you ponder that for a while and see what you come up with. <laughs> but, but that's just, it's just that's the way he works. Okay? The Bible speaks a lot about stealing. I'll give you just a couple of verses. Psalm 37, 21. Not paying a debt that has been arranged. That's stealing. Not paying a debt that has been arranged. That's stealing. Um, did you know that falsifying your expense accounts is stealing? Do you know that being lazy on the job is stealing? You're stealing from your employer. He's paying you for an hour of work. If you give him 10 minutes work out of the hour, he just stole nine. And none of us ever cheated on our taxes. You ever notice that? We always kind of round up. What is up with that? I'm rounding up. You know, I think I gave $100 in charity. When I know I gave 50. <laughs> but 100 sounds better. It's cheating on your taxes. Jesus himself said, give unto Caesar that that is Caesar's. Okay. Amos 8 and Hosea 12 deals with cheating clerks. Have you ever heard the term putting your thumb on the scale? Okay, you would weigh something out and you put your thumb on the scale to make it look heavier than it was. That's cheating clerks. That's how they cheat. Why? It's, it's one of those things. You, you ever scan them things where it just goes, doot, doot, doot. has anybody ever stopped and checked? To see if, the, is that legit? Have you, have you ever done it? See, I don't. You know why? I don't know what it was, the price on the shelf. So it could say anything at once on the computer. And okay. But I wonder how many of those are actually right. Not paying a fair wage in James 5 for the work that is being done. You know, I think about uh, my son-in-law's still in the military. My son was in. And I think about the wages that they make. And then I look at entertainers, basketball players, football players. But they'll tell you how hard they work. All righty. But you don't have to worry about that guy shooting at you, do you? <laughs> you know? I, see that kind of stuff? We're not, we've got a, it's, 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 that's not a fair wage. Because I remember the Roman soldiers used to get paid their weight in salt. Okay, now you got to remember something. They didn't have refrigerators or ice coolers or anything like that. So you preserve something, you did it with salt. Okay, so to get your weight in salt as a soldier, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay, I remember my son when he got out of jump school, and he, he, uh, cause I told him when he went in, I told him a couple of different things. I said, now listen, 
stay on base. They'll give you a dorm, however they start it. They'll start out in a big dorm. Then eventually, as you move up in rank, you'll get your little room. You'll split with a sergeant, or then eventually you become sergeant, then you can split it out. I said, we get you a room because you won't have to pay rent. And I said, and they're going to give you clothes. I said, every once in a while, you go to the PX and get you some civilians and stuff like that. I said, but you can save up some money. And he did it. But I remember, <laughs> I remember visiting one time up at uh, Richardson's in uh, Anchorage. And he said, Dad, man, he says, they're charging us for food, and it's awful. And I said, well, you're supposed to get free food. And he says, this ain't free. And they take out so much of my check each month to pay for this garbage, and then you have to eat on their schedule. He says, there's times I'd be do live fire at night, and we'll come back, and they're closed, and I got no food. So I took him down to the grocery store, and we got a bunch of food and all the rest of it. But, but you think about it, and you think, these guys are laying their lives on the line. You're cheating them. Okay? And don't let me get into government officials. All right? Paying a fair wage. There are a lot of ways to steal. Do you see that? And there's more. I can give you. I mean, I was surprised when I started off down the scriptures with it. But I want to share with you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10. Or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous nor the drunkards, nor the revelers, nor the swindlers will enter the kingdom of God. So in that list there, verse 10 says that if a fornicator is not going to heaven, guess what? A thief is not going. Okay? Thieves do not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4.28 tells us the opposite. Stop your stealing and work. You know, throughout scriptures, work is an honorable thing. I went into Russia right after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and it was a a mess. I mean, you got to remember all industry... I don't care what it was. If you had a convenience store, the government ran it. It was, you got the privilege to work there from the government. If you were in a steel mill, it didn't, everything was there. But what had happened is, under the communist model, it got to magnify the nature of man. Okay? If you worked in, let's say, a steel foundry, and you just got hired in. You got hired in at the same wage as a guy who was there for 30 years. And if you started really getting after it, I'm going to make a name for myself, I'm going to do it. When raises came out, everybody got the same raise. Nobody got more, nobody got less. But you had a job. What happens to productivity eventually? It's, it dropped. It doesn't drop. It falls out the bottom. Okay. When that collapsed, you know what was amazing? 
The first thing they would do if you hired on, if you were a welder, if whatever you were going to do, uh, masons uh, were really big because everything's made out of concrete there. The first thing they asked you, you know what it was? You believe in Jesus Christ? I thought, I think that's against the law to do in America, isn't it? You know why? Because the Christians worked as if unto the Lord. They were productive. And the Russians who were trying to make this stupid switch over from a communist system to individual systems said, I need productivity. So they hired Christians. I thought, wow. Try to sell that here. <laughs> but I've seen some Christians here that never got that verse yet. Okay? It's honorable. He says here in, in, in 28, performing with labor, he must labor, performing with his own hands. Okay? It has the idea of working hard. Of working hard. You gotta remember, at the writing of the New Testament, there were no IT positions. Okay? Uh, other than governmental, it was all manual labor. Alright? And everything was hard work. And you are to do this. And at uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, it says, We are to work six days. Okay? Proverbs, it's all over in Proverbs, how to work. One that I get into trouble with on a semi-regular basis is out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even if we were with you, and we used to give you this order, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. That doesn't seem like it's that difficult, does it? I remember when we had the church downtown when we were down there on the corner. You, because of Castle Rock and you're in, on the highway between two big cities, I'd always have somebody come in and can you give me, I don't know, there was a rain there on transmissions for a while. I don't, everybody's transmission need to be replaced. But they would come in and they'd say, you know, I, I need some food money or I need this or that. You know what? I found myself finding things for them to do around the church. Pick up paper, clean out the stupid uh, little wells around the windows and all the rest of it. And sometimes they'd look at me like I fell off a turnip truck. You want me to what? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take you over to McDonald's, get you pizza or something like that. You give me an hour of work. And sometimes, yeah, okay, I'll do it. A lot of times they'd say, you're out of your mind. See ya. Why? If you're not willing to work, don't eat. Don't eat. Why? In that text, it says, uh, don't eat. Why? Because that's disorderly. If you're not willing to work, that's disorderly. You become busybodies. You know that's not an affirming term, right? Okay. Busybody isn't positive. First Timothy, Paul told young Timothy, any man that does not provide for his household is worse than a pagan. 
back to our text in Ephesians, work is good. It's good. It is good to work. You know why? We should work for the fact that we can be unselfish. You are working to give to those who have need. Work hard. See, we work hard. You ever watched it? I'm going to work a bunch of overtime so I can go on this exotic vacation. Or I'm going to work a lot of overtime so I can get this newer truck. I'm going to work a bunch of this. I'm going to take on a second job because I need to go do this. No. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with doing overtime. There's nothing wrong with a second job. But you should be doing it to what? Give it away. Give it away. I get this uh, Pastor Paul. I've spent a lot of time with him. I've met him several times in California for conferences. He's been at this church a couple of times. Uh, he's a he's a he's a he's a blast. And he's always sending me uh, text. Something comes up, caught him off guard for his budget for his school or whatever he's doing. Can you help? And so. I'll talk to some people and see what I can come up with. I always type him back the same answer. No problem. Uh, We went to the Shepherds Conference. He was going to speak at the seminary for its anniversary because he graduated from the seminary. And uh, they were flying him out to take care of him. And he knew some Burmese people in Los Angeles area. And he was going to speak. And then right after, during the same time, was the Shepherds Conference. And it's $400 per person. And so we go over to get our little name badges and things like this. And he's just thrilled. He's just kind of floating around on the ground, just happy as he can be. And so we go over there, and I give him my name. and give him my little collar thing, and I hang it around there. And uh, he says, he gave him their name. They said, we don't have you there. And he said, well, I'm speaking at the seminary. He said, well, that doesn't make you good for the conference. And he goes, so I can't go to the conference? And uh, I just looked at him. I said, no problem. And I bought him his conference pass. And then he didn't have nowhere to stay. I like people who plan. Okay. So I was staying way up in Pasadena at at a Hilton. And so I called them over. I said, you got any rooms left over there for the Shepherds Conference? They said, yeah. And I said, can you get me another one? Put it in thing, Powell's name. And they said, sure. And so I said, I'll pay for it when I get there. And so, so we pull up in the parking lot. This is a big old tall building. you got to remember the tallest building in Rangu, which is the big city, is four stories. This thing's about 17. <laughs> and he looks there and and he pulls out his camera. He takes a picture of this big red letters Hilton. He says, I'm staying in a Hilton. <laughs> and it was funny because we got on the elevator and we start up. And I think I was on like the 15th floor. He was on the ninth floor. And he pushed every button so the door would open. And he'd stick his head out to see if it was still the same. And <laughs> get back in like that. And I thought, you know what? I don't know how much it's going to cost me for this room for four days. But it is worth it. <laughs> Just to watch this man go, whoa. <laughs> but we work to give. I see people in the United States today who work very hard to pile it up. 
to get more and more and more. You know what? And 100% of the time, it's stuff that you need less and less of. Ain't that the truth? Have you noticed one of the greatest industries in our area right now? Storage space. If I got to go get me a storage container, I need to get rid of something. Really? We work in order to give, not to get. All right? I remember sitting in an elders meeting of a a very, very large church, about 60,000 members. And I was sitting in the elders meeting. And I don't remember how the conversation got started. But the elders had concluded that they needed to give the pastor a raise. Now, you need to understand something. They pay him a very good wage anyway. They uh, had a couple of people in the church that were builders, contractors. They built him a house, and they paid for the land. So they'd done all of this already. Uh, They gave him his wife a car and him a car. Okay, and and he's like I said, he made a good wage. They wanted to give him a large increase for his faithfulness for forty years, forty-five years. They go to the pastor. And they said, we want to give you this much money. And it was, I'll, I'll tell you how large the money was in a minute. They said, we want to give you this raise because you're faithful in this And he says, yeah, listen, you guys, I have a car. I have a house. Um, I, don't, I live well. And when he goes to his speaking engagements, different places, he pays his own. He doesn't have the people he's going to go speak with. His housing, he pays for it. He says, I don't want anybody to think I'm doing this for money. So I I, I take care of all of this. But we still want to give you a raise. And he said, well, I'm telling you, I don't need no raise. And the one kind of chairman of the elders looked at him and says, John, we just want to see how you spend it. (laughs) I thought, wow. You know what he did? Paid the first year, all the buildings, all the professors for the first seminary in the lands of Russia. And he paid the entire cost of all of it. And the tuition of all the students. (laughs) You're just sitting there going, I guess he called your bluff, huh? (laughs) I mean, you walked right in there and you should have known better. We work so that we can give. How many of us look at it when we get a raise, a bonus, whatever? If I get a raise, I'll have more to give to someone who has need. You ever thought of that? It's interesting, don't you think? See, I don't care what you think, but that is a radical way to view this. And I've heard all the little cliches. Well, can you outgive God? Better yet, are you faithful with what He gave you? 
See what I mean? This is radical. I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here in verse 28. You need to work hard. Why? So you can give. See, the natural, that old man, that old suit, just wants to get more and more so we can pile it up and up. New Testament says work harder and harder to give more and more. Remember when we were studying Corinthians? Paul had gotten an offering from, if, if you look at it, the Greek peninsula, was the lower part was Acadia, the northern part was Macedonia. Macedonia was slaves. Acadia was aristocrats. Okay, so they had a lot of stuff. But what you see in this is that Paul said that the Macedonians gave out of their poverty. They gave to the point that it was a tad bit of a detriment to their own living. And how could not the Acadians give the same way because there was a famine in Jerusalem? Now, I'll give you a qualifier on this. It's for people who have need, not people who have want. And there's a big difference. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 13. But when you give and reception and Give a reception. Okay, when you have a party, when you have a party, you're going to have a big party. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. God will bless you. Then one of my favorite texts of all of Scripture... I hope the Lord sustains me long enough that I can come through this book, but who knows? It's interesting. It fits with our book that we're in. It is Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Okay? So the very people who have gotten this letter, this is what he said to them before he writes them. All right? Beginning in verse 33. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered my own needs and to the men who were with me. Paul worked hard enough to pay for the guys who were with him. And take care of himself. And everything. I showed you that by working hard. In this manner. You must help the weak. And remember the words of our Lord. That he himself said. Is more blessed to give. Than it is to receive. That's what he told. The Ephesian elders. When he said goodbye to him, they wept. They cried on his back of his neck. They hugged him. They thought that he said, "You, I probably will never see you again." And yet, he one of his parting memories to him is to what? 
I didn't get anything from you. I worked, and I worked hard enough to take care of all of my men's need, my women, the people who were assisting me in the ministry. And, you know, I look at that and think, how in the world do you do what the Apostle Paul did and work enough to take care of everybody who's with you? I know how. You need to understand something about the Apostle Paul. Sometimes we forget. Paul has an advantage over the old Terry here. When he spoke, it was instant and direct revelation. Okay? When Paul got up and opened his mouth, it was but the words of God. Now, I have to spend about 45 hours a week. <laughs> what, what is it you're saying here? Okay. That would release a lot of burden. Okay. So, brothers and sisters, this new life, we move from lying to speaking the truth. We move from unrighteous anger to righteous anger. We move from stealing to sharing. Next week we'll look at from rotten words to edifying words. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord. Father, there's times when we hear some of this stuff and we think there's just no way. And Father, then I realize I have to go back to the first three chapters of theology. You take care of us. Father, I've been in this congregation long enough that I've seen the ups and the downs. Father, I've seen the blessings and the chastenings. And yet, Father, you have never let us down. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would put off the old, put on the new, and understand we are children of the Most High God. We give you the praise and the glory. And Father, we know that you gave us the power to walk in a manner worthy of this amazing, miraculous calling. Amen.